If you are a kid, preschool through sixth grade, you are dismissed for your Sunday school class. If you are sticking around with us here for the message, my name is Carl. I'm one of the pastors here, and it's a privilege and a joy to be able to open up God's Word with us uh, here this morning. And one of the things that I like during Easter Sunday is this uh, wonderful little rendition that we do uh, when we say, uh, He is risen, and then everybody responds, He is risen indeed. So let's try that. He is risen Oh, the fullness of that filling the sanctuary is just so cool. If you brought your Bible, please open with me to Ephesians chapter 3. It's towards the back of the Bible if you're new to it. Uh, If you didn't bring a Bible, there should be one in the pew in front of you. Uh, Ephesians chapter 3. We're going to be working through verses, just verses 20 and 21 here on this Easter resurrection Sunday morning. If you brought your smartphone, you can download the uh, Sierra Bible app either from the App Store or you can text Sierra Bible NV space app to 7797 and you will be sent a link to download the app. And I mentioned that from the very beginning because we have sermon notes in there in the app that you can follow along with the sermon on on the app in the sermon notes section. You can also find a bunch of other cool things in the app about the church. Also, as we're kind of working through Ephesians chapter 3, verses 20 and 21 in the message here, if something uh, that I say or something that God's Word says uh, causes a question in your mind, uh, go ahead and email the questions to us about the message, uh, and we will answer them. Uh, on our weekly podcast, Sermon Q&A podcast, where we answer questions from the sermon uh, on Iron, which is our, the official podcast of Sierra Bible Church. So if you email in iron at sierrabible.org, we'll answer those questions from the message in our weekly podcast. We, well not we, maybe just I, but I love the internet. The internet is such a fun and wild place. You can find a whole bunch of fun things on the internet. In fact, one thing that I found recently uh, is just this, uh, these pictures of people's failed expectations uh, on the internet. So uh, this one person said, you know what, I'm going to go on Amazon and I'm going to buy this nice dragon pillow for my son and it's going to be nice. It's going to be a nice outline of a a dragon pillow here, and my son's going to just really enjoy it. Well, when the pillow showed up, it was the actual picture of another boy on the pillow. (laughs) On the pillow. Little failed expectation there. Or, Or maybe some of you are on Pinterest, and you love doing artsy, craftsy things on Pinterest, and then like posting them to Pinterest for everybody else to see. Maybe you see a picture of somebody who can do like scramble or eggs, uh, and then put the little cat in a, in a little cat figure, and you know the yolk is the eyes there, and you think, oh, you know what? I'm going to give that a try. I expect I could. I mean, how hard could it really be? But then once you try, it turns out something like this. <laughs> who murdered the cat? <laughs> 
<laughs> okay, show of shameless hands. How many of you have tried something along these lines? And it has, okay, okay. A couple of people who are bold enough to admit that they've tried something like this. Uh, or maybe you're on Amazon and you see, oh, it would be so nice to get a nice, big, warm, fluffy teddy bear for my daughter. Perhaps I can get a nice, warm, fluffy teddy bear for her to snuggle up with. And yeah, it's a little bit pricey, but I think she's really going to like it. But then, once it shows up, it looks like this creepy four-legged teddy bear with a full-grown man inside of it. Oh! It is so easy, especially on the internet, to have our expectations just shattered. What we think is going to happen actually, in fact, happens the opposite. And for some of us here this morning, we've kind of put God in that category. For some of us, we had expectations for God that we've placed upon our life that we believe God just hasn't met. And some of us are sitting here in this morning, probably for the first time in a really, really long time, thinking, okay, I'm going to get through this religious service, but I really don't expect that much from God. Well, as we're going to see in the passage here this morning, uh, that we should expect far more abundantly from God than what this world has to offer. We should expect far more abundantly from this world than, or from God, than what this world has to offer. In fact, we should expect more than we can even ask and more than we can even think from God so that he might be glorified in his church. So, if you brought your Bible, please open with me to Ephesians chapter 20. 20. There's not 20 chapters in Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. And one of the things we like to do here at Sierra Bible Church to honor the reading of God's Word is we like to stand as God's Word is being read. So, if you are able, if you're not, that's cool, you can stay seated. But if you are able, will you stand with us as we read Ephesians chapter 3, verses 20 through 21. The Word of God says this, Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we can ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. You may be seated, and let's pray. Heavenly Father, we, we come before you celebrating the resurrection. Come before you acknowledging that you have already done far more abundantly than we can ask or even imagine in your resurrection. God, help seal this truth into our souls this morning. And help us to see that you desire to do far more abundantly than all that we can ask or think for your own glory in your church. Help us, O oh God, this Easter Sunday to solidify those truths. In Jesus' name that we pray, amen. I want you to think in your mind, what is the most amazing accomplishment that you have ever witnessed? 
What is the most amazing accomplishment that you've ever witnessed? Perhaps uh, you're on the internet and you're looking up videos and you're seeing these amazing feats of accomplishment. In fact, a couple of months ago, uh, my son and I, we were on YouTube, and we were looking through videos, uh, just kind of randomly searching things, and uh, we came across this video where a man broke the skiing world record by jumping off of a 255-foot cliff. And he's a believer. He says, I'm about to do this. I know where I'm going. If I die, I'm going straight to heaven. Jesus Christ died for my sins. He was raised from the dead. I know what's going to happen to me. But I'm saying this on the video just in case you don't know. I'm like, preach it, brother. Don't put God to the test, but preach it. And so uh, on this video, he's standing on top of this 255-foot cliff. He jumps off, goes all the way backwards, lands on his head, but it's in like 12 feet of powder, so they dig him out and he skis down. So a couple days after that, my son and I were on a chairlift going up the mountain at a ski, at a ski resort, and we see off to the right, we see a cliff, and I go, hey, Judah, you think you can hit that? He goes... No, not yet. <laughs> Maybe when I'm 10. <laughs> uh, it is built into our human experience, certain human limitations. We know as a six-year-old that we can't jump off of a 30-foot cliff on skis. Our ability is limited as finite creatures. But God is not limited. God is able. As a church, we've been journeying through this book of Ephesians over the course of uh, the last few months, and what we've seen again and again is that God is not limited. In fact, in chapter 1, verse 19, it says that God has immeasurable greatness of power. In chapter 2, verse 7, when it speaks of God's love, it speaks of God's love in economic terms, saying that he has an immeasurable riches of grace toward those who believe. In chapter 3, verse 8, it says that God's mercy is unsearchable. And these terms, immeasurable and unsearchable, are repeated throughout this letter to show that God is not limited the way you and I are limited. His love is described in terms of unsearchable riches. His power is described as limitless or immeasurable. God is wise. God is loving. God is powerful. And all three of these realities of the character of God converge in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. In fact, it makes it abundantly clear in this book of Ephesians, in chapter 1, verse 18 through 28, it says, Paul says this, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what is the immeasurable greatness of his power towards us who believe. Now, how do we know the immeasurable power of, uh, toward, uh, greatness of his power towards us who believe? That's what it says. According to to the working of his great might that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead. 
The Easter reality of the resurrection is the ground on which we believe that God is able to do whatever He wants. He is not limited in His power. He is not limited in His resources. And He desires to show us this morning that He is limitless. If God can raise Jesus from the dead, there is no limit to God's ability to do whatever he pleases. Now, some of you are saying to yourself, well, you know, Easter is nice. I like the eggs for the kids. I like attending a religious service maybe once or twice a year. That's fine, but no person has ever been raised from the dead. That's about as much nonsense and fairy tale as the Easter Bunny. The claim that Jesus was raised from the dead was scandalous in the first century, and it continues to be a scandalous notion today. In fact, it's very popular to be skeptical toward the claims of the resurrection. In fact, uh, two of the, the most popular podcasters in the culture today, Joe Rogan and Ben Shapiro, in a recent podcast, uh, Joe Rogan, the guy on the left, says to Ben Shapiro, the guy on the right, Jesus was just a prophet, right? And to which Ben Shapiro responded, no, we don't even believe that he was a prophet. I think he was a Jew who tried to lead a revolt against the Romans and he got killed for his trouble, just like a lot of other Jews who got crucified for trying to lead a revolt against the government. And Joe Rogan affirmed, Yeah, so he became a legend, then a story, and then it became a bigger and bigger deal as time went on. Ben Shapiro then responded, yeah, he had a group of followers then who gradually grew. And then Joe Rogan interjected, do you think he was resurrected? Ben Shapiro confidently asserted, no, no, that is not a Jewish belief. Joe Rogan then jested, what, you don't believe in zombies? And they both laughed heartily as they mocked the very core of the Christian belief that God is able to do whatever he pleases. This was a scandalous notion in the first century, in fact, to such a degree that in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 17 and 19, the Apostle Paul has to say this, if Christ has not been raised, if there is no resurrection, your faith is futile Basically saying, the fact that you are gathered here to celebrate the resurrection 2,000 years later, that is all empty and meaningless. Your faith is futile, and you're still in your sins. There's no forgiveness for your sins. There's no new life in Jesus' name if Christ has not been raised. And he continues, if in Christ we have hope in this life only, so if it's just a mythological legend that helps us to get through life, We are of all people most to be pitied. Paul is saying this and saying, if the resurrection, in fact, is not a real, objective reality that occurred in history, people who believe in the resurrection and have patterned their life according to the resurrection, those are the most sorry, pitiful people ever because their entire life and faith is built on a lie. The New Testament's bold affirmation of the bodily resurrection of Jesus is our ground for understanding that God can do anything that he wants. 
It means for you and for me that we should live our lives as if this power is already at work within us. If God is able to raise Jesus from the dead, then he has a far abundant amount of power. The, the adverb that is used uh, to describe God's ability in this passage in uh, chapter 3, verse 20, is uh, huper ekperiesu. Everybody say that. Huper ekperiesu. I'm just kidding. I won't, I won't embarrass you. Huper ekperiesu. It means an extraordinary degree involving a considerable excess over what would be expected. The resurrection declared to the world that God is able to far surpass any of humans' expectations. So as Joe Rogan and Ben Shapiro might want to mock the reality of the resurrection, that is, in fact, God's way of saying, I am going to shatter your categories for what you think is possible. Laugh at the belief if you want, but God's unsurpassed power is not limited to our human expectations. And because of this, we can believe that God is able to do far abundantly more than all we could ever ask. According to Internet Live statistics, there are about 4.6 billion Google searches per day. You want to know how I figured that out? I Googled it. <laughs> Which amounts to about 53,240 searches per second. Probably 100,000 Google searches by the time I finish a sentence saying it, which equals about 1.7 trillion searches in 2019. So if I were to take a $1 bill, and I'm too cheap to even have a $1 bill, so I have fake money here that I use from the King's Academy. So if I were to take a $1 bill, and if each $1 bill represented, if each $1 bill represented one question asked of Google. Google, why is Paris Hilton so popular? Ba-dunk. I don't know what the answer would be. <laughs> question, Google, how much does it cost to live in Reno? Far too much for you to afford. <laughs> And each Google search we asked represented by one dollar bill. And we stacked those dollar bills, one on top of another, for an entire year. The stack of dollar bills would reach 115,372.2 miles into the air. That's how much we are able to ask of Google in a year. We could go from here halfway to the moon in the number of questions that we ask of the internet. God looks down upon all of our questions and says, you could go to the moon and back, and it, I still wouldn't even yawn. Oh, I can answer 
all, far abundantly more than all you could ever ask. And because of this, our problem is not that we ask God for too much. Our problem is that we ask God for far too little. Or we ask him for the far wrong things. God is saying to us in this passage, my ability to do is far more abundant than even your ability to ask. And what this means for us is that there is not a question that is off limits to ask of God. There's not a mystery in the entire universe in which he will not, at some point in our existence, give us a satisfying response. And some of us here, we have really hard questions for God. God, why did my marriage fall apart? God, my my future, it looks so dark. How can I maintain hope? God, I don't know where my next paycheck is coming from. What should I do? God, why did you take my child from me? And it's in the midst of all of the hardest questions of life that God looks back to us and he doesn't say, oh, well, there he goes again. I've had to tell him a thousand times, but I'm just going to have to repeat myself. He doesn't think and look down upon your questions of him and, and, and say to you, oh, there she goes again, pulling down my ear, asking all of these difficult questions that I'm just not going to tell her. God says to us, I can do far abundantly more than all you could ever ask. God is patient and wise. God is long-suffering and all-knowing. He has a far abundant amount of answers for everything that you could possibly ask. Let this Easter be a reminder to you that the first place you need to go with the hardest of questions is God himself. God is not stumped by your messy life. He has the answers. Ask him. The resurrection screams to us that God can do far more abundantly than all we can ask. But God's ability to do far more abundantly isn't limited only to those things in which we can actually formulate a question, thoughts that we can actually make concise enough to go forth in an actual question. It goes even deeper than that. God is able to do far more abundantly than all we can ask and far more abundantly than all we can even imagine. Now, the English trans- our English Bible's translations uh, translate the term think or imagine. Uh, it's nuomen. It means the ability to form an idea or to imagine. If you want to think of the distinction this way, to, to ask is to have concentrated thought on a particular thing or an object or a problem that needs to be solved. But to imagine is to relax in your mind and just let your mind wander wherever it wants to go. 
God is saying that I can do far abundantly more, not just than what you're concentrated on as a problem or something that you need to be solved, but even more than you can possibly imagine. One child psychologist said it this way in uh, the study of imagination in early childhood. It says, concentrated attention brings the individual into touch with his environment. It's objective in nature. And the individual is fully conscious and aware of the object to be attained of or the goal after which he is striving. The latter, imagination, is usually described as being indirect, often disguised by symbolism, incommunicable by means of language, and out of relation with reality. Objective or concentrated thinking uses large quantities of mental energy. Frequently, even in adult life, we drop back from such a mental condition into a state in which we are less conscious of our surroundings. In this condition, sometimes described as dispersed attention, the mind plays about its ideas in a less consciously directed way. The individual is not necessarily so closely in touch with reality and tends to drift into a state of dreaming or fantasying in which ideas are far removed from the realities of objective experience and they are entertained. This type of thought is not, however, without value. Often problems that will not yield their solution when attacked at the logical level become clearer when the individual allows his thoughts to wander among adjacent topics. We love the imagination in our household. In fact, uh, before our children go to sleep, one of our child is frequently says, Dad or Mom, I need an idea. An idea, okay. Well, what's an idea? Well, an idea is an invitation from our child to enter into the imagination world that they have so that their mind can relax before that they fall asleep. So just this past week, one of our children said, Dad, I need an idea. And I said, okay, here we go. I want you to imagine that you're in a gymnasium. They're like, what's a gymnasium? I'm like, oh, I'm sorry, you go to the King's Academy. You don't know what a gymnasium is. You're in a large basketball arena, and in the midst of this gymnasium, you're with all of your friends, but you're not there to play basketball, you're not there to play volleyball, you're in the midst of this gymnasium, and it's filled with bubbles. They're like, ooh, can I pop the bubbles? I said, well, you can, but these aren't normal bubbles. They're not bubbles made of soap like you would think. These bubbles are made of candy. So you are in the midst of this gymnasium filled with bubbles, and your job is to lick as many of these bubbles as you possibly can. And instantaneously, when I gave my child the, this imagination world, it was as if their mind was able to relax and said, thanks, Dad, and they fell asleep. Creation should scream to us that God is a God who is able to do far more abundantly than all we can even imagine. In fact, I was looking around recently. Did you know in Bolivia there is these salt flats that uh, has a film of water on top of salt to where it looks as if you are actually walking on water because it reflects back to you, isn't God's imagination just so crazy? Or how about this one? A lake on an island off the coast of Australia that literally looks like a strawberry milkshake. 
the way that the, 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 way that the bacteria are formed in that lake because it has so much salt, it gives off this red type of dye to which scientists are like, we have never seen this and it hasn't happened in any other lake and it blows our mind. And it's one of the ways that God is just like, aren't I full of imagination? Or check out these uh, crystal mines in Mexico. Those are people right there. Look at these huge crystal mines where God is just like, hey, check this out. Or, or how about this volcano in Iceland to where the ash and the soot from the volcano uh, rise into such a level in the atmosphere that it creates such static electricity that lightning shoots down from the sky. It's like a lightning volcano. God is just like, isn't that cool? Or how about... This uh, lake in Alberta, Canada, where methane gas comes up from the bottom and it's so cold in the winter that the methane gas literally freezes bubbles around the lake and you're like walking on top of these bubbles. I wonder if they're made of candy as well. Or check out this thing looks like straight out of a Tim Burton movie. Uh, It's in Pakistan where spiders literally create a web around the entire tree. God is like, isn't that kind of spooky? (laughs) And lastly, there's these beaches off the coast of the Maldives that at night, the phytoplankton, they get washed up onto the shore and it looks like it is a neon glowing beach. All of these creational realities scream to us from God, I am able to do far more abundantly than all you can imagine. Did you see that strawberry milkshake lake that I made? God is able to do far abundantly more than all we can ask or imagine. And that is seen most clearly to us in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now, some of you should be asking yourselves, well, what's the difference between the two? How can we know whether God's ability to do something more than we can ask or imagine is actually going to become a reality in our life? That's an important question. We can know with certainty that God will accomplish more than we ask, more than we imagine, because his power is already at work among us in the church. Look at what it says. He says he's able to do far abundantly more than all you can ask or think according to the power at work within us. In other words, Paul is saying, in the church of the living God, His spirit is so active that it should be evident to everyone that God is able to do far abundantly more than you can ask or think. Some of us have such a hard time believing in God's power because we've spent so little time reflecting on what God has already done for us. If you believe in Jesus Christ here this morning, that means you have been saved from eternal death. 
That means you have received the forgiveness of your sins. That means you have been given new life. That means you have been called into a new community in the church in which his spirit is alive and active and working and doing things. Which means you can be the father that God has called you to be. You can be the mother that God desires for you to be. You can be the spouse that forgives your spouse for the things that they have done to you. You can do all of the things that God has called you to do because his power is at work among his people. If you have a hard time believing in the power of the resurrection you probably haven't spent too much time doing the specific, impossible things that God wants you to do right now. God, I can't forgive them for the things that they've done, for, done to me. Yes, you can. My power is with you. God, I can't put down the bottle. It has such a power over me. I couldn't imagine my life without alcohol. Yes, you can. My power is in and among you. God, I can't imagine raising my children in a home to know you and love you. I didn't come from that background. Yes, you can. My power is at work among you. The resurrection is accomplished to show the world that God will receive glory for his power with humanity. This is why it says, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus. The church is the people of God who believe in the power of the resurrection. The church is the people of God in whom the power of the resurrection is at work among us. And now you might say, yeah, but the church is filled with such messed up people like you, Carl. And I would say yes and amen, but that just shows you that anything that you receive from me is not from me, but from God and his power at work among us. And the church exists because of the resurrection, giving glory to Jesus Christ. And this glory won't just last here and now. This glory will continue throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. The church is not going to die. The church won't just last for our lifetime. The church will continue forever and ever. There will never be a time in human history in which the church is not glorifying Jesus forever and ever. The church is God's design of bringing all different types of people before his throne to say, Jesus, you died for my sin. You were raised to, from, the death, from death to give me new life, and I am glorifying you for all of existence. The church will never go out of style. The church will never be outdated. The church of the living God will continue forever and ever. Amen. Now, some of us entered into this time of worship just wanting to get through it. Just send me out to those 2,000 eggs. Something inside of you along the way, the, the switch has been turned off spiritually, and, and you really, like, I don't want to hear about God anymore. 
You can't imagine a reality in which the active God is working in your life, in and among you. Perhaps you were burned by the church in the past. Maybe you had someone in your life that, that taught you about God, but really acted like Satan toward you. Or perhaps you just have a laundry list of doubts that you just can't get around. Well, today, not just the peop those people that I'm speaking to in particular, but all of us in general, I want to close this thing by asking us to do something together as a church this Easter Sunday. If you want to take out your prayer request card, there should be one in the, the front of your pew in front of you. Uh, if you're on the app, you can also look. There's a, there's a card at the very end of the app that says prayer requests. As you take out the card, there should be pens in the, in the pew in front of you too. Uh, what I want you to do on that prayer request card, I want you to get real with God. I want you to write down the things that would show you God is doing far abundantly more than anything that I could ever ask or imagine. Perhaps it's, God, I need your strength and power to be the father that you're calling me to be. God, I need your love to help me reconcile with my spouse. God, I need your strength to get through this addiction that has ravaged my life. Or, God, I need your power to continue to walk in faithfulness to you to be a part of your church that you have called me to be a part of. I want us all to write something down on that prayer request card and at the end of the service, hand them in to the ushers that will be standing at the doors. And over the course of the next couple of weeks, the pastors and shepherds of Sierra Bible Church are going to be praying through each and every one of those cards, asking God to reveal himself to each person who writes down something so that we can see his power at work among us. God desires to be glorified in his church. Let's ask him. Let's let our imagination wander to the things that we know God desires of us. And let's be a church that focuses on Jesus and sees the power of his resurrection at work in and among us. So go ahead and take out that card and just start writing down things that you know God is asking you to write down. And I'm going to pray and you can keep writing even as we sing the last song. Heavenly Father, we thank and praise you for the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We thank you that you can and will do far abundantly more than all that we can ask or all that we can imagine according to the power that is at work within us in the church. Help us, O oh God, to see your spiritual reality in the here and in the now, doing more than we could ask, doing more than we could even imagine so that you might be glorified. Help us, O oh God, to stay focused on you, to give you all of the glory, to ask for the things that you desire for us to ask of so that you might be glorified in your church among your people. God, I pray that you would be at work inside of these people's lives who are here, that you might show your spiritual reality to be true and real in their life. 
Help us, O oh God, to minister to all of the people who are here and to see your glory shine forth in all of the people. God, we thank and praise you for all that you've done for us in the resurrection, and we pray that you would be glorified. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.